Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. One, two, one, two. Yet again, another edition of the Guard Your Grill Boxing Podcast. I am your co-host, Roberto I'm going to be joined by my PNC's ROD and Coltrane. We obviously got a big fight to talk about this weekend. Uh, and, and also um, the fight that took place last weekend. <laughs> but uh, before before we get to that, man, um, I, th- I think it's it's only right that, you know, on behalf of uh, the whole Guard Grill boxing crew, um, we'd like to send our deepest condolences to all the families that lost um, loved ones in the tragic bombing in Manchester, which ironically is pretty close to where the fight this Saturday is going to be. But um, you know, it's it's uh, you know, it's something that as uh, the crew who are mostly comprised of uh, fathers, uh, you know, brothers, uncles, uh, sons, and, and you know, things as such, and. You know things like this, man. They 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 hit close to home, particularly people who have, you know, you know, families. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, and, and I think it was only right for us to, you know, just uh, pray, pay uh, proper respect to those uh, who unfortunately lost their lives uh, tragically to the bombing in Manchester. So, you know, before we start, I just would like to send uh, again my deepest our deepest condolences uh, to all those families. So. Onto matters at hand. We got a lot. We got a major fight this weekend. <laughs> major, major fight, and I think we got somebody who, who's on the line right now. Yo, yo, yo. Who's that? Who's that? Is ROD? Yep. Yo, what's going on, man? What's going on? Hold on, man. Chilling, man. Chilling. So we uh. We got a big fight this weekend, man. And, you know, we still got to talk about um, last weekend's uh, Terrence Crawford and Felix Diaz fight. And I know you. We, we, I kind of wanted to touch on with you guys because we've been talking about it this week as it pertains to um, the future of Terrence Crawford. <laughs> but uh, just a quick news t- tidbit. Um, I guess that came up today and, and kind of yesterday. Um, some news struck actually last week that, you know, after we did our show, Miguel Cotto has been uh, somewhat of an enigma <laughs> in a sense since the Canelo Alvarez fight, which is around like two years ago. And many of us believe, you know, we've been told this is his last year and such, but as we got news last week, um, middle of last week, uh, Miguel Cotto and Rock Nation have parted ways. And Cotto had, I think, uh, two fights with them. I think two fights with them. And, you know, there, there was obviously money issues and they couldn't secure a fight and things of that matter. So we were hearing rumors that the whole Marquez situation was coming up and, you know, we've been hearing about it for the better part of a year. And a lot of us are kind of, 
we don't really need this fight. We understand why these fights get made, but you know, we were, it's not a fight we were like on pins and needles waiting for. So, uh, the fight that we were getting, uh, or that initially was supposed to take place June 24th, uh, either in, in Madison Square Garden or, or, or in Barclays Center, which kind of correlates during the, um, you know, the Puerto Rican Day Parade, which is usually when Cotto would fight. Uh, he was going to be fighting uh, Yoshihiro uh, Kamigai, and then the fight got canceled as we were finding out Rock Nation and Cotto parted ways, and we found out today that Golden Boy now is going to be promoting this fight, and it's taking place August 26th at the StubHub Center, which is uh, kind of new territory for Cotto. I don't think he's ever fought in LA. Uh, as he's been like predominantly East Coast guy, but the the and I'll pass this over to you, ROP, um, is for the vacant WBO Junior Middleweight title. <laughs> so, ROD man, let me let me get you before we hop onto the the Terrence Crawford uh, Felix Diaz fight. Let me get you two cents on the on this whole ordeal as, as it relates to Cotto. Yeah, I mean, I just think is you know return of living dead. I mean. You know, what more do we need to see out of him? Um, we had talked about it earlier. There are some people that probably need to be out of the sport um, because we know that basically it's going to be one of those things where they're turning almost from superstars to, like, journeymen. And unfortunately, he's becoming one of them where it's like, is he being sacrificed or is he becoming more or less like that, that sacrificial lamb? You know, every time a fight comes up, just to, like, mention his name. And um, and for me, I don't want to see Miguel Cotto go out like that. So, you know, I don't know how many people will be tuned in for it, but, you know, when you look at his condition, you look at, you know, even the weight that he, like, he's so small for that weight class that he's in. We just had a huge discussion about height and weight. Now, I always go back to Dwight Kwawe. Because I remember my dad used to tell me how, you know, you look at him, he was like 5'7", he was a cruiserweight. But, you know, he could, he could punch really hard. So, I mean, I guess he was an anomaly, but, you know, Miguel Cotto just looks so small. And, you know, needs to athletes of today, man. Like, could you imagine him, like, just even sniffing near one of the Charlo brothers? No way. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, what, so where, what is he doing now? It's almost like... What are you doing now? Like, what is the what? What are we trying to do here? So you know, obviously you get this belt, but what is, what happens after that now? We put you in here right. for some reason. Like, what happens now? Like, seriously, you get this that, alphabet. Yeah. What happens now? So that's why I said, like, if is this a going away fight? Is this a like a, you know, a, you know, a going away fight, and then we just go somewhere else, or is this? okay, this is a fight, and we just going to keep boxing after this type of fight. So then I'm going to ask you, where are you going after this? Right. And and the thing the thing that's been uh, one of the sticking points with Cotto as it relates to this year is, you know, it's been noted that this is his last year. You know, he's, he's going to retire after this year. And, and we know him retiring this year, he, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame and, and things of that nature. But I think the route he's going, and, and it kind of makes sense as to why Rock Nation 
kind of said, listen, man, um, we're not going to be paying you crazy money to fight, you know, somebody like Kama guy who, mind you, even going into this Kono fight, I I don't think people should look at this as a, as just like a, a filler fight for Kodo. Because the thing that concerns me with Kodo is that he, you know, man, he hasn't fought since 2015. And even him fighting in August, it's almost August, September, October, November. That's almost three months away from him being two years absent from the sport and being way past his prime. That sometimes doesn't equal in for uh, solid performances. And that's, you know, what kind of concerns me with Kodo in this fight, man, because I didn't, I don't know much about Kamagai, but I got, you know, to looking at him, and, you know, he's an aggressive fighter. Um, he's bigger than Kodo. Obviously, Kodo's got, the, you know, historically the better pedigree, but again, like, he's not the Kodo from, like, eight, ten years ago. <laughs> and, and, we, and it's crazy that we're, we're talking about him in, in, in that fashion, like, ten years ago. I mean, that's how long, I mean, that's how long he's kind of been at the helm, if you think about it, as far as I mean, we're in 2017 and 07, he fought um, Shane Mosley, Dan Judah, you know, these guys. Like, you know, he was – and this was before, you know, to, to you know, shout to you, Mosley drywall happened. <laughs> so it's uh, – I, I think from what I'm hearing or from what I'm seeing from a couple articles I read today that they're trying to do the Marquez fight in December. Um, both rep- – reps from both sides are trying to make the fight – you know, for me, it's like a retirement fight for both. But to your point, too, it's like, what weight is that fight at? <laughs> because Marquez is, he's at welterweight, but again, he's not really a welterweight. Miguel Cotto is a junior middleweight. He's not really a junior middleweight. So very likely that fight would be like what Pacquiao Margarito was. A, a, Rob, a, a so, junior. So, Rob. Uh, can you hear Hello? me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, yo. All right. Well, yo, what up, train? What up? What up? What up? What up? Go ahead. I'm here. So you no, can no, hear no, me? Just yeah, yeah, yeah. So my question is: so we're assuming that he's going to win his next fight, right? And that's that's, that's assuming, that's, and that's assuming if he wins. And, and but I, it's like I, I don't know. Like at this point, man, a two-year absent Cotto. At what, like, he's, I think, like, 35 now. What kind of quota do we expect at this point? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's these type of fights, and, and we've seen it through history, man. Like, these guys that maybe, like, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, we picked Cotto no problem, but we can't ignore the absence in the ring and the fact that he's, like, way past his prime, man. So, I don't know if you wanted, like, before we – go ahead, go ahead. And we talk about Marquez. We gotta say their age in dog years. And the reason why I say that is because although Miguel Cotto was thirty-five, that Odominer says like a hundred and thirty-five. Yeah. Well, right. I agree. So, and although Marquez may be pushing forty, his Odominer may say a hundred and forty thousand. I mean, there's some, <laughs> there's some miles up on. I told you before, like when we talked about it, train talk, train, train and I talked about it, it was a joke in our circle. 
where, you know, Kodo is that uh, 87 Honda Core hatchback, <clears throat> you know. Without the mod. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where you, you sit here, you know, the only thing you did to it was throw some tin on it, and that was new. But it's still got a whole bunch of, but it just got a whole bunch of miles on it. So, you know, again, man, like you said, this is assuming he gets past his next fight. And we don't even know. Like, yeah, right. We, I, yeah, yeah, man. So that's happening August 26th. It's coming on HBO. So, you know, <laughs> at the very least, it'll be, uh, you know, people will watch it. But, again, it's uh, it's one of those situations, man, where – an aging fighter um, like a Miguel Cotto, who, you know, to your point, he's not a well-preserved 35-year-old. You know, he's been through the ringer. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, it's, uh, I guess we'll, we'll touch on it as, it as it gets closer. But, I mean, you know, for those who weren't aware, that, you know, to our listeners, August 26th, uh, Miguel Cotto will return HBO against Yoshihiro uh, Kamigai. So, I'll I'll pass this over to Train since, since he just hopped on, man. Terrence Crawford, Felix Diaz, this past Saturday, man. Um, I want to talk about Crawford's future, but I want I just want to get your take on just his performance on the fight. Well, first of all, Felix Diaz, like you know, it was said all through the commentary commentary on Saturday. Um, he was a guy that you know pretty much kind of been avoided on the boxing circuit. You know, he's not a young guy by no stretch of the imagination imagination and he's a former Olympian. He's a smaller guy but he's a bigger guy, you know. Uh he's very uh filled out. And I think he weighed like hundred and sixty something pounds on Saturday night. Um yep. I think that you know the game plan was obviously to weigh much as possible. They probably knew he was going to absorb a lot of punishment uh going into the fight. But you know, just the fight itself, man, I mean <laughs> I don't even know, you know, when you break down a Terrence Crawford fight, it's funny, man, because, you know, Mayweather used to have this line, and, you know, I, I, I repeated it back to actually Sweet I was talking to, and Mayweather used to say they just keep finding them, and I just keep beating them, basically. You know, it just seemed like every time they say that this fight is supposed to be a tough fight for Terrence Crawford, you know, this guy is, you know, a tough competitor, it only, it can he makes it seem like he's beating up a bunch of tomato and tin cans. So yes, he is it. You know, I'm not saying that he's beating up, you know, your father Walter Wake, but at the same time, he's beating up the best options that's available. And that's all that you can ask a fighter to do. And, you know, there's just some little things he's doing. You know, we, also, we always talk about, talk about the intangibles, one of the subtle things that a fighter does. You know, the spinning and turning, the sidestepping, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, playing the role of the, of the matador, you know, uh, uh, luring a fighter into the ropes and pushing him to the side and turning him around. Little stuff like that that he does. Oh, by the way, and he's got dog inside of him. You know, he gets, he gets caught with a flashlight hand. And normally when a fighter does that, he normally can either go into A, you know, uh, uh, kind of not a survivor mode, but a safety safety first mode. And, you know, me and Rock Dowell always joke about uh, – the Mayweather and Marquez fight, you know, it was it was it was a it was a, it was a sequence in that fight where Marquez catches Floyd with an overhand right. Kind of just got unnoticed, but from that point on, Floyd started boxing. You know, and nothing wrong with that. You know, you gotta you don't you don't play around with a guy like Marquez who, who's a we saw what he can do. But 
you know, going back to Terrence Crawford, and, and that's the beauty of boxing. Everybody's different. Where Crawford's the type of guy, if you punch him in the mouth, he's going to go mano y mano with you. But not to the point where it's reckless abandonment. So when he gets when he gets when he gets caught with this with this uh, loop and punch, he the next round he comes out and goes to work. So he's a beautiful body puncher. You know, we watched Gary Russell Jr. I know we're gonna get into that fight if you guys didn't already. You know, uh, earlier that night, could have put a guy away, but decided to you know go for hand shots and smother his punches a little bit. His punch placement is so beautiful. And the thing about Terrence Crawford, he's not a young guy. I made the mistake, and I'm sure a lot of fans probably did this as well, is put him in a box. He's not 25, 26 years. This is a 29-year-old fighter that will be 30 soon. So he's a seasoned veteran fighter. So he's ready, man, for the big lights. And, you know, we'll, I'll pass the mic on, but just seeing him perform, and I, I just don't want people taking it away from what he accomplished because – just because you don't know who he is, who the people are that he's fighting, doesn't mean that he's not fighting anybody. Because a lot of people didn't know who Victor Polk. We know who he is amongst the boxing circles. But some of, some of our own brethren didn't know who Victor Polster was all like that. So, like, he's beating the guys that he's supposed to beat, but I think he's due much more, if that makes any sense. Well, that's actually a perfect segue as to, like, <laughs> what I, I wanted to really speak on as it relates to his immediate future. Well, and and I, I'll throw this over to you, uh, R.O.D. Um, you know, the big sticking point with Terrence Crawford, or I should say, you know, the elephant in the room as it concerns him is Bob Arum. <laughs> and <laughs> the, the, the thing, the thing with, with, um, with Terrence Crawford, and you, you made a good point, man, is, is like we kind of forget that Crawford is almost 30 years old. You know, we look at him like, um, I mean, he's already past the prospect point. I mean, we, I think we already Way got past, past that. But, <laughs> yeah, right. But but it's almost as if, like, we forget, like, well, damn, man, like, he's kind of been past that point for, like, some time now. So, you know, when you look at last year, and, and, and again, I'll, I give him a lot of credit because, um, and, and, and I guess, I mean, in, in some fashion, I, I would credit Aram in a way, too, like, you're keeping him busy. You know, and that's the one thing I notice in some of these fighters, particularly one weight class up, who a majority of them are fighting once or twice a year. So, for me, this is my and 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 I'll get your take on this, Rod. My my concern is that we're we're gonna have to wait another year before he lands like his like a a, a big fight with a contemporary now. Granted, the Pacquiao situation, the Pacquiao fights talked about. He called him out, and you know things of that nature. But Pacquiao, to me, man, I think while yeah, some will consider it like a launch pad. I I think at this point, man, if you, I'll say this: if you can't land that fight this year, by the end of this year, I wouldn't even bother with it next year, man. Move up, and he's got to fight his contemporaries at welterweight, which, honestly, there's three, four fights there that I guarantee all of us would hopefully cancel plans or not make plans to watch these fights because they're fights that we either talk about, we want to see, and we know would be good. So, R.O.D., man, like, I mean, let me get your take on, on, I guess, 
uh, Crawford's immediate future and I guess your concerns and, you know, what you think should happen? Well, well, first of all, I want to, I want to reiterate something that Train said. And I was sitting there and I was asking my wife, you know, to do some math with me. So Crawford, you know, was a pro at 2008. He's 29, so in September he'll be 30. So he's been fighting for approximately 9 to 10 years. When I look at the division, it's like he's basically eradicated the division of, like, all the good contenders. Either they, like, moved up out of there because they saw the bull shark was there, or, like, he fought them, and it's, like, nowhere else to go. So for me, like, when I look at this, you know, we, you know, we look at the business side of it, like Train said, and obviously we're saying, you know, how how is his career being handled? Because, you know, what, what is Bob doing? And, you know, and what direction is Bob going into? And then on the flip side, I'm like, well, geez, like, how many more of these fights can he take before, I hate to say this, before he becomes like uh, a Canelo or Chavez? And this is what I mean by that. When Canelo fought Floyd, he had 50 fights. We didn't even know, like, who half of those people were. And that's the same thing with Chavez, man. It's like he had a bunch of fights before we kind of knew. We knew he was dope, but we kind of didn't know, like, majority of those fights were. And it's kind of becoming the same thing with Bud. And it's going to get to the point, man, where Bud is going to have, like, 40 fights, and we're only going to be able to identify, like, two of them, like Hank Lundy because he runs his mouth and, and, and Postel. So, like, I think for me, man, the only option for him right now at this point is to move up to 147. I mean, no one is moving up to fight him. You know, he, he called out Danny. Danny moved up. Roach clearly said that he wasn't ready. So, you know, with his career, we got to kind of take steps, man. When when people are fighting you, you got to go look for fights. So for me, man, his future is going to consist of a heavy dose of moving up. And I think that his body can handle those extra pounds, man, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just think he needs to go north, not south. There's nothing there, you know. And I think that Bob needs to be kind of supportive of that. It, you know, I know, obviously, you know, this is one of his, you know, we look at Golden Boy and we look at Top Rank, and obviously they only, they only have, like, a few horses in that stable. They don't have, like, like, you know, they have one thoroughbred, and, uh, and everything else, man, is just like, well, who's this guy? Who's that guy? So it's not like, like Train said, our fathers and uncles top rank, and, you know, our golden boy, this is a different type of stable. So for them, for Terrence Crawford, I think his future is going to consist of a steady diet of just moving up north, man, and I don't think there should be anything else other than that, you know. And, you know, I think he should chase some of those guys around the division, and, uh, and kind of see where the chips land from there, man. But, you know, when you look at that that junior welterweight division, it's a ghost town. Like, who do you want him to fight? Yeah. Um, Soto? Like, who do you want him to fight? You want him to fight Pastel again? Like, who are we asking him to fight? He's chased everybody out of that division. They they didn't want any parts of him. They, they either got up out of there, you know what I'm saying, or, you know, you ain't got no guys moving up to fight him. And, Honestly, I think that what's going to wind up happening is what we said about some of these fighters is that, you know, he's high risk and little reward. And at this point in time, man, here's a guy that said, 
you know, they asked him, you know, to tell you where his mindset is and to tell you how, yo, why did you fight Southpaw that fight? Because it's my ring and I can do what I want to do. Like, here's a guy, man, that's, like, really, like, he's not fazed by what this division brings in the form of a challenge. He's going to fight you. He's going to fight you however he wants to fight you, whether it's Southpaw or Orthodox, just to make it more challenging. So already he, he's showing you that, yo, I'm bored as crap, and these cats can't beat me. And this is my ring at this division. At this 140, I own this thing. So he needs to move up and get into that 147 where it's kind of jumping, challenge himself. And I really don't think that we should be asking for anything else other than for Bud Crawford to move up to 147 at this point. Yeah, I'm 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 110% on that. And from what I did read, they look like they're gonna try to get that fight with the Ugandan. I forgot his name, the Ugandan fighter who had the the two other titles that would, you know, totally unify, you know, him being the undisputed 140 and then leap into a fall fight potentially with, you know, Pacquiao that ends up happening. But I agree at this point, particularly because of the fact that he's, he's ready hitting by the end of this year, he's going to be 30 years old. You know, he, he, while Grant, we've talked about this, you know, through our chats and, 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 you know, previous shows, you know, a 30-year-old today is a little different than a 30-year-old 20, 30 years ago as it relates to the overall condition of a fighter. Um, and Crawford, like, he, he fits that mold, you know. But at the same time, you still are 30 years old, so you're, you're already in that stream of, okay, well, the, 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 the light at the end of the tunnel is getting closer naturally. It, it just is, you know. So... I think in the next couple, in the next year, especially him moving up to, um, you know, 147, I, I mean, there's just so many options, man. And, 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 not this, not, and not even in the case where he's just going to fight every single title holder, but there's fights out there for him at 147 that people will tune into. And, and, there, and there's going to be a lot of interest behind it. What I fear... <laughs> is that he moves up to 147 and he fights guys like Saddam Ali, no disrespect, and, and, and um, Jesse Vargas and, and people like that. I don't want to see that. What concerns me that it is going to happen is because you know Bob is going to look within this stable before he even thinks about venturing out on a big scale, not a John Molina. And, and again, Felix Diaz is another Al Heyman fighter, but again, very low tier in relation to popularity, money you bring in, things as such. Because again, this is still a business. But for uh, for for the boxing fans, I don't think they're going to tolerate Bud going up to 147 to fight. Um, I, I, well, I don't think the Tim Bradley fight would happen because they both been mutual about not wanting to fight each other, and you know we've seen that. In, Plenty of fighters in the past, but there's Bob don't got a lot of people at 147 for people to be like, all right, you know, boom, there's your fight. Because in the case he gets the Pacquiao fight, right? Let's just say for argument's sake, December comes around and we have Manny Pacquiao versus Terrence Crawford, right? And Terrence Crawford wins the WBO title. At that point, man, nobody's going to be really tuned in or people are going to be anxious for him to be fighting a Jesse Vargas or anybody like that. At that point, fight the other champions that are there. If that, beco- if that becomes a case where he has the WBO strap. So 
We'll see, man. I mean, this summer he's apparently fighting again. So we'll see if after that he makes his attention to 147. But he did hit, you know, at the end of the fight, like you guys saw. And it's funny sitting right with Bob right there. <laughs> he said, I want Pacquiao. I want Thurman. Um, so I, to me, it seems as if he's ready for that jump. And, and to your point, ROD, you know, Bud's not a – the night of the fight, he comes in 157, 158. That's a big boy, man. That ain't, that, he ain't a small guy uh, to the point where, like, he may – at welterweight, like, that's a 10-pound hydration lead. You know, like, that's not – that's average. That's average. That's what most fighters come in at, you know. Um, so I, I mean, I think that's the, that's the one thing fans are waiting to see because we all know the real fights and the real tests are going to be at welterweight for him. So we'll, we'll see though, man, we'll, we'll touch base, uh, for his next fight and, and, and see what comes about. But on to the main event, man, we've been waiting for this fight. I mean, I, I think out of all the fights, uh, maybe outside of Canelo Triple G, you know, we've been going back and forth with that too. This is a fight we've all been collectively going back and forth with, particularly this week. <laughs> um, Kill Brook, Errol Spence, IBF, welterweight title on the line. Um, I'll go over to you, Train Man. Like, give me your, just give me your two cents on the fight, um, how it's going to play out in your prediction. Wow, like you said, this. This has been one of these kind of fights where it's been, you know, it's it, it's almost like the change of the guards that happens in basketball, you know, football when, you know, the young up and coming team, you know, uh, going up against the established team or the team that's, you know, yeah, 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 like the established team taking on a young team, and like I said, like the change of the guards type of situation, and. So many different variables with with this fight. Where do we begin? So you got Earl Spence, right? And I put a piece up on Instagram about this. You know, Earl Spence was like a, a, a urban like boxing campfire legend that we heard in the boxing circles. Actually, it was R.O.D. and I'll never forget this day that he told me. He said, Floyd. He said, you know, Floyd has a black eye going up into the. Guerrero fight. And I said, well, where did you get this information from? He's like, I'm going to send you a YouTube clip of Earl Spence. And was like, I think it was like a clip of him training and hitting a heavy bag. And it was like a report that he gave Floyd a, Floyd a black eye, you know, leading up into the Guerrero fight. You know, because at that time, I didn't really know who Earl Spence was. You know, obviously he didn't win a gold medal. He was in the Olympics. So I didn't really know a whole lot about him. So... I'm watching him train, and, again, when you watch somebody train, you know, you know, we always got this thing say the eye test never lie. That's like the saying we say in our circle. What does the eye test tell you? Forget the records, forget the resumes, your two eyes. You know, all of us have been watching boxing long enough, and we always say the eye test. And when I'm watching him train, I'm like, wow, this kid looks apart. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway, you fast forward. You know, I'm not going to get into all of fight. You know, Chris Algieri fight, obviously. And Chris Algieri, granted, he's not, you know, some star-studded guy, but he's a he's a guy that held his own. I'll say that. He couldn't hold his own against Earl Spence. And Chris Algieri, to a man, you know, a guy that I think was pretty honest, assessing everybody's sport, he said, I never fought anything like this. 
and this is going to give a lot of people problems, this being Earl Smith. Kel Brook is a guy that's been on the scene for a little while now. You know, he was on the U.K. scene, really decent fighter. Actually, when we was doing guard your girl boxing, and R.O.D. could attest to this, we had some of our, some of our, our, our subscribers from over there trying to tell us about Kel Brook, but we didn't really have a lot of footage on him at the time because today's how much social media has evolved just in a little bit of time. And there wasn't a lot of footage out there on Kel Brook. You know, we heard about him. Like I said, through the through the boxing circles, we finally got a chance to start seeing him. They start putting his fights on. We like decent fighter, good footwork, uh, good tech, uh, good stationary technician boxer. Um, and it was a show important fight that you know kind of turns us into believers that this guy is real. He's legit. You know what he was able to do with Sean Porter was you know was beautiful. You know boxing wise. So now you got the two storms class. You got Kel Brook. Who just moved up to middleweight? Forgot to add that to fight the baddest middleweight on the planet, and that's Triple G. Gets his eye socket broken. This corner stops the fight. He, he goes up from 147 to 116, 13 pounds over the welterweight limit. Comes back down, and he's back fighting that welterweight. Now his camp kind of warns him to, nah, we maybe want to fight a junior middleweight. If we do come down, let's maybe take a softball. But tell Brook to his credit, said, no, I want to, I want Earl Spence. He's ranked to my belt. People say that I'm avoiding, avoiding him, so I want to fight him. So you got this perfect storm collaborating. Now, the fight itself, you got Earl Spence, who's a guy that's like a microwave oven. You know, um, he warms up food really fast. He'll warm you up really fast. And once he gets you inside of that microwave, and we all know what happens when you cook it. You know, we're from Philly, so every now and again, you got to warm your cheesesteak up. And if you warm, right down what I'm talking about, if you warm that cheesesteak up too quickly, you know, the bread gets all tough and rough. And that's what Earl Spence better worry, I mean, uh, Kel Brook better worry about on Saturday night if he gets put in that Earl Spence microwave. The microwave basically, he comes out and and, 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 and swarms you early with, with devastating body punches. I, I, I haven't seen a relentless body attacker like this with Marvin Hadley. And please don't think I'm overstating it, but... This guy literally starts at the body. Like, the body is his, is his, is his, is his starting point. You know, um, that's his check swing, like a golfer. You know what I mean? I mean, like a, a baseball player, pardon me. That's his check swing, the body. And it, 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 it's a very relentless style. Now, that being said, sometimes that can play into the, uh, the opponent's hand, especially uh, a veteran fighter like Kel Brook. You know, maybe – that plays into Kel Brook's hands, him trying to crowd him. Maybe he ties up. We always we talk about tying up a lot on this show because it's such a vital uh, 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 thing to do in the boxing ring because it disrupts it disrupts timing and rhythm. So maybe Kel Brook's tied Earl Spence up. Now, that's going to be a little bit challenging because Earl Spence is in tip-top shape, and I think he's the stronger guy. If Kel Brook is able to weather that, you know, that, that, that microwave, that storm, that early storm, you know, then an interesting scenario plays out because then we see, excuse me, uh, Earl Spence in a place he's never seen him before, and that's into deep waters. And when we say deep waters, we mean like around the eighth round and abroad. Because one thing about boxing, there's an old saying, I think John Wooden, the basketball coach, said this. He said, fatigue makes cowards out of, uh, out of us all. And 
the same thing applies to boxing. You know, once you get into, like, around that seventh to eighth round, you see fighters, especially young fighters, you see fatigue start to set in, and you see impatience start, uh, start to settle in. You know, boxing is a very patient, rhythmic sport. And once you absorb, absorb all your energy, and Earl Smith is a very energetic fighter. He fights at a high rhythm. And Mayweather and Charles Twin, who's, trained, who's been training with Earl Smith for this fight, both said the same thing. And you got to listen to these words that they said. They said he's a fast starter, and he's very strong when starting fast. So that particularly, what they're saying in a nutshell is that we, didn't, we, don't, we don't have any evidence of him after he starts fast, longevity-wise. And Kel Brook, again, he's a veteran fighter, so I, I'm, I'm assuming the game plan is to tie him up early and weather, weather the storm. And that's when you're going to see Kel Brook start picking the shot, you know, you know uh, putting a jab in his face, you know, giving him, move, giving him subtle movement. And Kel Brook is a very accurate puncher. We saw that against Triple J. So Earl Spence is just following him around, trying to load up shots, and, 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 and uh, Kel Brook is sharp shooting, you know, uh, from a good from a good list, we got an interesting situation on our hands. You know, now we get into, you know, decisions. You know, he's over in uh, in uh, Sheffield. You know, uh, England where the fight take or Manchester, wherever. It is. I forget which. Yeah, which, yeah, which, one of those. Yeah, one of the places. And I thought some prayers goes out to the uh, terrorist victims over there as well. Um, we got an interesting scenario taking place because he's home. He's fighting a younger guy, not that it matter the age, but he is the home fighter. And Roberto said earlier, and this is key, ooh's and ah's. Sam's got a way of ooh and ah shots that don't really mean anything, shots that don't land cleanly, and they sway judges. So I'm, I'm, I'm of the belief that Kelbrook needs a knockout to win this fight. I just don't, unless he can beat him up for 12 straight, if he can do what he did to Algeri for 12 rounds, he wins the fight with no Oh, he's going, going away. It's just, before, before I pass the mic, my last bar is going to be the circumstances. How severe are they? We know the circumstances. He moved up 13 pounds. He came back down. He fighting probably the worst possible guy he could probably fight in the division, not named Keith Thurman. We still don't have a lot of evidence. We're just going by information from our eyes and what we've seen. I guess Saturday night we're going to find, find it all out. That being said, with the information that we have, i got to go with my instincts, got to go with intuition. Tell Brooke, I think he sees the floor or his trainer comes in and wave off the, wave, wave, you know, wave the tile like they did in the Triple G fight, and I see the young Earl Spence uh, prevailing in this fight by knockout, by the seventh wow. and eighth round. Wow. Oh, you're going early. You're early. I'm early. Going, it got, it got to be early. It has to be early. <laughs> it has to be early. Uh, you heard my microwave series. Vinny Johnson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it it well, has to be early. Yeah. Before I pass it to ROD, interesting tidbit about the IBF is something we kind of forgot about. As it relates to your point of Brooke going up and weight, coming back down and weight, the IBF is one of the only sanctioning bodies that uh, you they have a 10-pound hydrate, rehydrate clause. Oh. If you go over that 10-pound limit, 
you are not eligible to win the title. Finally, I believe it's the Jacobson in the in the in the triple G fight. Oh, yeah. Same thing. They went up on purpose. They yeah, they went up on purpose. Right. Right. Because he knew he had the WBA and the WBC anyway. So interesting. I, I thought about it today. I'm like, well, you know, all right, he made weight and what have you. And as it relates to the Triple G fight, he didn't, he didn't have to deal with that. He came in, right. um, matter of fact, he came in heavier than what he would have been at a welterweight fight. He weighed in at 159. He probably came in over like 150-something. So now you cut to 147. Now the past, and I think since yesterday, he was at 148.2, which he's all weight. But again, and, and we bring up, uh, I mean, we're bringing the example of Roy going all the way up to heavyweight, then coming all the way back down to light heavyweight. It didn't do him any good. It got zapped. Um, and, and, and I'll pass this to ROD because he, he actually had a good point as it relates to the, the right. compa- that comparison, but the difference <laughs> in this equation as it relates to Kell Brook. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's just like one point I wanted to put out there because I found it interesting as it relates to Brook and the talks of his team prior to this fight officially being made. And we talked about this. Uh, they were very adamant about going to 154. They're like, oh, no, yeah, we're going to 154. And, then, and, and even to the week, right? Remember when we were talking about this? To the week of when they were announcing the fight, I, we were like, we were almost still playing. Like, I don't think this is going to happen. Why would he take this fight? And then he took the fight. And I was like, well, wow, credit to him, man. Like, I, it, it took me for a surprise. So, ROD, man, um, let me get your take on the fight. Your breakdown and uh, um, pretty much how, who, who you have winning this fight. Yeah, so you know what we were talking about with with Roy was that how he obviously oh I think we lost our OD. Um, I'll, I'll when you I'll yeah. give my, I'll give my take on it, but you know until he gets on the right. line. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that the, the the one thing that's interesting about this fight is that Errol Spence has been like like you said, Coltrane, like he's passed the eye test for all of us. But it, it, it it's kind of a deal where even from the Algeria fight, this is a big leap for, for him. I don't know what happened, but you know, I'm sorry. You what yeah, I'm here. So. This is what I was saying. We we were talking about how for a long time, um, how Roy had moved up to fight John Ruiz, and when he had did it, you know he he, you know he didn't fight Lennox Lewis, you know he didn't fight the Quichco. He fought, you know, the lesser of all the evils, which is John Ruiz, and which is fine because he wanted to make history. That Bob, you know, hit Sivens, uh record, all that other stuff. So he did it. He moved back down. And he, you know, he fought Tarver. Now, everybody knew that Tarver was just basically what I call, and, you know, people could get offended. You know, he was more or less like Buster Douglas, and this is what I mean by that. You know, Tarver was more skilled than Buster Douglas, but like Buster Douglas, who was a pretty decent athlete, he was an underachiever. And that's what Tarver was. You know, he lost to Eric Harden, you know, got knocked out, you know, stopped, and, you know, looked lackluster in a lot of fights, you know, although – you know, whatever. 
but he came down to weight, obviously, and, and well, Roy came down to weight, and Roy didn't look like, you know, one of the Greek gods anymore, man. He looked very human. You know, it was almost like, uh, you know, Thor, when we laughed, when Thor popped to his powers away, you know what I mean? And and, uh, and he just was like a human being. He couldn't do anything. So, and that's kind of like what Roy looked like in his first fight with Tarver. So, Everybody was shocked, man, when, when the second fight happened when Tarver knocked Roy out because it was just like, yo, man, this guy's are really known as some crazy puncher. He had good skills. Yes, he was a bronze medalist in, in Floyd's class for the Olympics, but it wasn't like we were really, like, fearful of him being this killer. And after that, he went back to just being Tarver again. I'm saying that to say that Kel Brook, yes, he went up and he fought a monster in Triple G, you know, Yay, you know, you, you know, sort of like, you know, thanks for competing for Double Jeopardy. We got some door prizes at the door for you, but you didn't win. You, know, you did a good job. But he's going back down, and he's fighting an assassin now. So it's not like he went up and wait to fight like a John Ruiz, and he's coming back down to fight a Tarver. He went up and wait and fought Triple G, who's a monster, in his own right, and went back down, and basically he's fighting an assassin now in Earl Spence. Now, the one thing I'm gonna say is I know you know as a as a uh, on a side note you know that a lot of our UK fans and friends you know we love their their vigor and their zeal and their passion and how they how they follow their fellow countrymen and and you know we we love it too and I know they say you know they call us uh you know you know during Yankees man you know you guys you just you all just you know root for the same people and and then on this podcast we keep it real. And while we like Kelbrook a whole lot, I just have to go with train and say, listen, at this point in time, from what I see from Earl Spence, and I'm going to make a comparison, and this comparison you guys may not like, you may, you may disagree, but I'm going to tell you what I see. I see Terry Norris all over again. And what I mean by that is I see somebody that can kind of do a little bit of everything, they got some good technical skills, a good athlete, and got some straight-up dog in him. And it's not playing with people, man. And the one thing about Terry Norris and Train said it before was, you know, he would get reckless and get clipped by, like, a Simon Brown. He would do stupid stuff like hit people after the bell, and that's where, like, two of his losses came from. So, you know, he wasn't afraid of any type of contact. Whatever way you had it, he was he was going to fight you. And he just reminds me of, like, that type of pedigree, man, like that that type of skill and power and athleticism and, and height and, and just dog all wrapped up in the one. I mean, it's the only thing I can think of, man. Um, Actually, the parallel is Terry Norris was a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, he sure was. And people don't know this, man. He got a, he basically got a scholarship to play baseball, man. Yeah. Um, I knew that. Got a scholarship yeah. to play baseball. And, oh, by the way, I think as he got a scholarship to play baseball, got into a rumble and knocked somebody clean out in the field. But that's a different story. How <laughs> fitting. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm saying that because I'm saying that because now we have Kel Brook. Now, Kel Brook, you know, hey, man. If we were doing a workout video, man, you know, homie would, would win the fight because, you know, his workout looks tremendous. Workout he out there. With some Billy Boone yeah. type 
Yes, yeah, some yeah, like you know, you trying to lose that pregnancy weight, man. You get back on that joint. Go follow the go follow the Kel, Kel Brook workout. But we right. know that workouts don't win fights. I'm going to say, yeah. yeah, yeah. Shout out to Chavez Jr. You know, well, workouts don't win no fights. That dude is like, whew. Well, yeah, we're in line. It's like a Mr. Universe type contest fight. Both of these guys are in tip top shape. Right, mm-hmm. and we know that. We know that. And we know that, um, you know, th- these contests, you know, he won them Texas boys, too, by the way, you know, with Ooh. the Charlo brothers. Shout out to them. And yeah. Just, yeah, just just a bunch of dogs, which is called yeah. lions, as it called. But anyway, long story short, I don't feel coming into a fight. See, the difference with Roy was when he went down in weight, he fought somebody that was harmless, and Tarver was doing his lower to right. Canelo, calling him out the press, press conference. So, you know, Roy, being who he is, he took the fight. But here's the thing about it. Spence went up in weight and lost. Now he's coming down in weight, and guess what? His eye, like like Train said, is the condition of his eye is pretty much on RoboCop. You know, it's pretty much on Terminator. When Terminator gets smashed up with them bullets, and he has a what a titanium, a titanium eye, like a titanium eye socket or some crap like that, like yeah. something like that, man. I just, for me, man. This is a bad fight to come in to go from a monster straight to an assassin. Like, I want to see the tune-up. Like, where, I hate to say this, where are the people like the Miguel Cotos and the Andre Burdos and, you know, the people that really have a name but you're really just trying to gauge where your fighter is? Like, this is a type of fight, man, where, like, honestly, man, Kel Brook could be out of boxing for good, man, if, if this thing don't go the way it's playing. Now, on the flip side, what Train brought up and what Roberto brought up was that, you know, here here's a guy from, you know, England that's seven and zero with seven knockouts against Southpaws. All right, just got a it's a fact, you know. And here's and, and on top of that, here's a guy that, you know, has been in there with 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 Triple G and, you know, he went out on his shield. He wasn't like he was on the ground and. You know, he was trying to find his glasses or find some change on the ground. Like, he went out on his feet. Now, he was messed up, but he went out on his feet. So a lot of people, and, and you have another factor where it's, you know, he's in England, like Train said. So, you know, if it goes to a decision, we know that home cooking is there. But also you've got a situation where Train also stated, and Roberto, that, you know, um, Spence has a you know propensity to get tired. I don't think that, you know, let's put it like this. I think that Kel Brook, I'll give you my prediction, I think that Kel Brook is going to have his moments, but I think that Kel Brook is going to ultimately lose by, you know, technical knockout, you know, around that, that eighth or ninth round, and he's going to have his moments. But I think that that dog is going to prevail. He's too young. It has nothing to do with, with flag and waving. Spence's that Terry Norris I talked about. He's just young. He's hungry. And unless something happens where for some reason, and I mean some reason, Spence just kind of turns into like, you know, a journeyman for some reason that, that, or not even a journeyman. He just turns into just, you know, a bad undercar fighter from USA fights from back in the day. And Kel Brook just turns into freaking Ray Leonard that night. Like I don't see anything happening other than him 
leaving, having his moments at best and leaving the fight, you know, being stopped. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm saying this because, again, why are we throwing this guy? Why are we throwing? Kell Brook is an amazing boxer. All right. He was hurt. He was really hurt bad his last fight. It hasn't even been a year yet. That happened in September. Why are we throwing him back in here with an assassin now? So you threw home and you took so it's like the surfer that went in there. You always hear about these people in our endless note. These people that go in, they surf and you know, surf is life and they feel like one with the one with the ocean and you know, shout out to all my surfers, especially if you know anybody that's this happened to. But they wind up getting bit by a shark. All right. You know, now you now you 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 going back in there, you you, you know, you kinda like you know, was close to death, and now you're going to go back in the water less than a year, and you notice, you notice a big old shark sign as in the water. And you're going to take your behind right out the surf again because you love surfing so much, less than a year, in shark-infested water. See, that wouldn't be me. And that's what Kel Brook is doing right now. He, is surf, he just got bit by a shark that, you know, with waters that didn't have a shark sign. But now he's going back into waters where the shark sign is up and they telling him do not go in and he's going right back in there less than a year. So hard head makes us all behind. <laughs> <laughs> Yo man, that I'm a great breakdown, man. Um I I I think I posted a I posted a picture in the chat like a few minutes ago, man. One of the one of the things we were talking about this week, I mean not having to do with this fight like essentially, but um we were talking about fighters the 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 listing of height that these fighters are put on, like when we, when we check box rank or Wikipedia or whatever, and we were, um, we were we I, I think we were what was it? We were comparing Floyd Canelo and, and Cotto's heights, right? Well, I was just looking at how they list both guys, and they both they're both listed at five nine. That that is. That can't be true. That can't be true because there's a picture, um, and I saw like this week of of um, uh, well, two things. One, the picture that I put on the on the chat, that's like a that looks like a big size difference. If you guys check that, they're both listed at five nine. There's no way. It's either Kel Brook is really like five, barely five eight, maybe five seven and a half, or uh, Errol Spence is like five ten, five ten and a half. Because there's a picture, uh, with Errol and J Rock, right? And J Rock's about like five ten and a half, almost five eleven, right? And he's right there with him, like literally. And I'm sitting there looking, like, man, he's Errol's big, man. We knew that anyway, but when when he was listed at five, and I'm like, he ain't, there's no way he's five nine, man. And then there's a picture with with Floyd and and Spence, and you know we were talking about how big Floyd is, man, and he was way bigger than Floyd, like way bigger than Floyd. Yeah, so, so I wanted to, so to tell you if I if I can stop you right there that uh, I think that like you said, some publications have stuff wrong, but like when I when I was looking up Earl Spence, they had him at five ten and a half. Okay, and they that had, makes that makes sense. And they and they have um and they they do have. Our buddy uh, five nine, but like when you look at Earl Spence, like even when he was next to the Charlo brothers, and and you kind of, I mean this 
that's a different note. But like you kind of put me on yesterday. I didn't realize the Charles brothers were that big. I thought they was both like five eleven. I, I was gonna I, say I think they do the opposite. Yeah, say that they're smaller than they are. <laughs> so you can yeah, get your own with them. Yeah, yeah. But, so like, what you were saying, Jamal? Jamal? Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the bigger one. That's what I was saying. I said he has to be taller than six feet. Like, because I'm telling you. J-Rock is a solid 5'10", because he was a lot taller than, he's a lot taller than me, and I'm 5'8". So I think he's a legitimate 5'10". And I, sometimes with the Charlo brothers, I'm like, are they saying stuff? Like, you know, like, normally you hype up your height. <laughs> it's almost like they do it in reverse, because maybe nah, they just yeah, got they a figure. Yeah, I don't know, you know what I mean? When he took off the role, I'm surprised that Jamal's six one, man. Like, yeah, because when, really? when he took off the role, I remember right at now, one of y'all texted me was like, "What the?" <laughs> yeah, I did. I texted to you. <laughs> yeah, you were like, "Yo, he was like a gladiator coming out of that role." Remember, he kept the role on literally until like the end, like purposely. He he kept the role on, then he came about it as y'all. And that's what I was trying, not to steal your thunder, Roberto, but that's what I was saying. Like, Spence ain't no small, he ain't no, no small not. dude, man. Yeah, like, he's not, yeah. yeah. he's no small dude, but continue on. He's not no small, he's definitely 5'10". No, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, man, he's, he's big, man. And, you know, the thing, the thing, the sticking point, I think, with Brooke, or at least the, the things that we're going to be looking for as it relates to this fight, it's really two things. Did he heal from the Triple G fight? And is the weight going to be an issue? And that's why I brought up the whole IDF situation because from we've seen fighters, uh, Mosley, Cotto, De La Hoya, Trinidad, that from welterweight, man, they, they, they didn't balloon up crazy, but, like, they were hydrated to, like, 160s. You know, they, 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 I mean, they were relatively um, – outside of Cotto, Cotto wasn't tall, but, like, he would come in, like, pretty big at welterweight. And I can't help but think that uh, Brooke, mind you, he, he's, had, he, he's been coming in at 147, and then, you know, he would just go to 157. I can't help but think that for the Triple G fight, he was just like, oh, this is great. I don't have to cut weight like that, and I, can, I don't have to hydrate just 10 pounds. I can't help but think that that's not going to be some type of an issue here as it relates to like how things can parlay in the later rounds. But I, the, the thing with this fight, man, is like Errol Spence to me, for me, and I think, you know, obviously all you guys has passed the, uh, the eye test, but I, I, I'm trying to see where Kel Brook can be very effective in the fight. And, you can't really look at the Triple G fight as a parameter because it's a different style matchup. You know, Triple G went in there, I think, automatically knowing, like, all right, this guy is likely not going to hurt me, and he just went straight forward. He's not going to have that with Errol Spence. Errol Spence is a very patient fighter, um, has a really good jab, attacks the body really, really well, and he's a more offensive-minded guy than a defensive-minded guy in, in the case where, um, you know, some people have kind of mistaken him for being like this strict defensive fighter. And I'm like, what are you guys watching, man? This guy, you know, he's a dog too, man. Like, he, he he's, to me, he's going to be patient, but he's going to go after Brooke. I, I have no doubt about that. And 
and I think he's he's going to try to make a statement. I I just think for Brookman, his team, I think indirectly has been telling me the story, and to, I've and I said from the very beginning, I give Brook credit. He could have he could have uh, relinquished the title, said, you know what, man, I can't make the weight anymore. I'm going to go up to 154, test the waters there, see what's going on. But he did it, man. And, and remember, I mean, speaking of Cotto, there's talks of, like, him and Cotto fighting, um, at, you know, instead of this fight, you know. And, and from a monetary standpoint, that would have made sense for him. Coming off the Triple G fight against an older fighter with a name, like, you, like R.O.D. mentioned, and, and, and at least to me, that was a very winnable fight for him. In my opinion, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't think it's a whitewash by any means, but I mean, I think Cotto at this point, I think that's a winnable, very winnable fight for Brook. Um, this, I, I, I mean, he's, he, to me, he's got balls taking this fight against a guy who's very, very hungry um, and is still very young and, and just looks like he has everything intact, man. Um, just like, like everything, footwork, jab, patience. Um, the, the whole sticking point again, the stamina, we don't know that yet. Like we haven't seen Spence, um, in, in I don't want to say a super difficult fight, but a fight where he has to be busy. Right. And which round seven, eight, nine, that can play an issue. You know, one, one thing I give Floyd Mayweather a lot of credit in, man, is that he, he learned through the years how to pace himself and, you know, people complain, ah, he's not doing anything, but I'm like, you know what? Look at his opponents at round nine and round 10 gasping, and he's still sitting there like, I can go another like, 10, 15 rounds. Um, that's a big question mark in this fight as it relates to Spence, but I think the, question, the more the question marks are really on Brook, and I, I'm with you guys, man. I mean, I, I think this fight's going to end in like eight, nine rounds with Errol Spence attacking his body, um, just landing big punches, speed, accuracy, uh, knowing to control the distance, I, I, I think this is just this is just a bad fight for Book to come back in. Let alone like he hasn't fought since September. It's not like he took another fight and then took this fight. Like he's going straight into an Errol Spence fight. So I, I can't see anything else playing out besides besides Spence taking him out in like eight nine rounds. And uh, you know, and, and from there, man, I mean, he, he's like literally on the map. <laughs> and, and and people, uh, um, you know, it's 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 gonna be a state. I mean, it's a statement fight. It, I mean, it really is because now that the guys like Keith Thurman and, and everybody else that are saying, "Oh, he needs to do this," is now. Well, guess what? He's a world champion. <laughs> so you, you know, you, none of that none of that applies anymore, man. So I, I yeah, I got Errol Spence TKO stoppage eight nine rounds. And for those who are listening, man, again. Uh, shot to Coltrane, who who kind of got like <laughs> he forgot this fight was in the UK. This fight starts at five fifteen in the afternoon on the East Coast, um, three hours behind. Obviously, you're on the West Coast, so you know just a just a little FYI. I don't know. Show, Showtime might. I, I'm assuming Showtime will show it later. But again, we're living in the era of social media. And it's damn near impossible for you to, like, not find out the results <laughs> to fights anymore, man. Like, I've given up. If I don't watch the fight, I'm, I'm going to get spoiled. I mean, either, either way. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I like I said, Errol Spence TKO stoppage, man, and that's really gonna wrap up. Man, I the first half of 2017 because June is like that. The the summertime, the first half of the year is kind of gone, and you know we're gonna get into the second half. So um, who who's still on? Are you there, Coltrane? Is R O D? Yo yo. I guess they both log off. <laughs> well, that's pretty much the show, man. Um, tune in next week. We're gonna yo, be recapping. I said I'm here. My bad. I said I was here. Oh yeah, yeah. I I didn't hear you. Um. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, well, again, as far as Brooke and Spence is concerned, uh, like I said, like for those who aren't gonna be watching it live and you don't want to hear it, the results, I'm pretty sure they're gonna show it uh, later in the, uh, you know, later in the evening around like ten, yeah, ten thirty. Treat this like my wife and treat this like my wife and I treat Walking Dead. Like, you know, when we watch Walking Dead, you know, we do not log on the social media until after we've seen it. So if you want to, if you want spoilers, do not log on to your Instagram, your Facebook, or Anything, your Twitter man. account. Yeah, because I'm sure that someone will spoil it for you. I'll never forget when we found out that one of the characters was dead just by just checking a Twitter account because it was oh, all pasted on there. Dead? Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, and you it's can't. the same thing. You... Yep, go ahead. No, no, yeah, go ahead. Now, I'm just saying you want to, and, and I mean, you. we got to, when these fights come on in the U.K., you got to treat it just like the walking dead. Like, you know what? If I'm not going to watch it live and I don't want the spoilers, I need to put myself in, like, that Michael Jackson bubble and, you know, <laughs> stay away from everything else. You know, God bless the dead. Stay away from everything else and not be connected to, you know, mainstream at all. So, that's the thing. I mean, I know Train is going to that to that wedding, and he's always going somewhere when a big fight happens. But you know, I know that he's Yo, a junkie. Him, man. <laughs> yeah, he's a degenerate too. So like, you know, I know that he's going to be. I don't even think. I think that Roberto, you and I are going to probably start our own thread to keep Train off of it, so we could just put. Oh, like, just again. <laughs> yeah. So because I know he's going to be pissed off if we trying to tell him what happened. Yeah, man. It's yeah. I mean, in this day and age, man, it's so hard because you're naturally, you know, you go on your phone. You naturally, you know, you go online to check something, whatever. And it's like, even on Facebook, man. Like, even if you, I mean, I know you don't go on the Facebook, but they they have little news tidbits. And and I found what fight was it? It was a couple months ago where they had the the, the headline right there, like immediately after it happened. I'm like, oh, come on, man. You know, like, like and you can't get away from it. <laughs> but the thing, too, like on, on my phone, man, I have a ticker, uh, you know, like a, a ESPN ticker that just automatically I'm getting notes, and it's like I got to ignore everything. <laughs> but at least for me, man, I already have my day planned out, taking a little man out early in the morning, and then um, I, I'll be back 4.30 in time, you know, get prepped up and, because this, this fight, man, I, I, I didn't want to miss this, man. This is, this is uh, out of all the fights, man, this is one of the ones I was, like, really, really looking forward to, man. And I can't believe it's already Saturday, man. But that's, uh, that's pretty much the show, man. Next, uh, next episode, you know, we'll be recapping this fight. And then we're going to be in June. And there's really only one fight in June that we are waiting for, particularly R.O.D., Really, all of us though, but already being the big Andre Ward fan, Ward Kovalev two is is going to be taking place June seventeenth. 
you know, through the weeks leading up, which really, man, I mean, we're only three weeks away from that fight. Man. We're less than a month away from that fight. I want to ask you a question, Roberto, um, real fast. So, there, so I was looking at HBO. So, I, so did Ward not go to face off? Yeah, no, he didn't. That was like the big thing. He he passed on it, and they had it scheduled. Like they had it ready. Kovalev went. They did. Kellerman was there, and he just didn't show up. And what? HBO so got pissed. And so why did he no not show up? Reason. No particular reason. None that none that he told any you know the media or anything like that. I mean, I think a lot of that's head games. I mean, to be honest with you, but yeah, they were they were you know HBO apparently was really pissed off, and you know the Kovalev team we were pissed off, and all you know Kathy Duva was saying a bunch of stuff. But is he still? Yeah, yeah, yeah is, he, is he still? Is he still in H? Is he still employed by HBO? Meaning like commentating because we haven't seen him. I don't, I don't, mm, I, that's a good question, man. When was the last time we saw him commentate a fight? I mean, all I've been hearing is B-Hop and Roy, you know, who are like, you know, they're, they're usuals, but, you know, we, I mean, I haven't, I mean, to be honest with you, man, I haven't seen Ward commentate, I haven't seen Ward commentate since before the Barrera fight, which was like early last year. Yeah, but you know what's funny? I think I saw him commentate after that, but I wonder, this is what I'm wondering, and I know we're good on a tangent here. We're supposed to close the show, but I just, I had to ask you that, and I should have probably asked you offline, but I was wondering this because as I look at it, it just all, you know, everybody's been calling for Jim Lampley's head, and we know everybody has. But it just made me wonder about Andre Ward because, you know, it's Andre you know, was it a situation that happened that, you know, sort of like with Mike Tyson, when Larry Merchant was saying some slick stuff about Mike and that Buster Douglas fight, Mike didn't want nothing to do kind of with HBO. He was done with HBO after that, you know, after he got knocked out. He was done with Right. Like, he didn't leave him, but he was kind of done with Larry, and he was kind of done with the network itself. Um, he kind of checked out. And I'm wondering, you know, not that – you know, obviously it's something different. And Floyd, when Floyd, after Floyd fought, after Floyd fought, um, you know, I guess before he fought, I think it was a Guerrero, it was before he fought Cotto when he asked for Larry Merchant head. But when he fought Cotto, that was it. He was like, yo, I want to thank you for everything. He just, he checked out before the Cotto fight. And I'm just wondering, is it the same thing here? Like, here's a guy that was like, kind of like, I hate to say this, but kind of like, you know, when it comes to, the face of American fighters or what a fighter should look like, you know, not not brash, successful, very humble, articulate, presents well, you know, in terms of, you know, good looks and camera. It was Andre Ward, Olympian. It was Andre Ward. They put him on HBO. He was great. Pronunciated words correctly, everything. So I'm wondering, like, yo, what just happened? Because... You know, Roy still fights. Bernard was still fighting. He was commentating. So, what happened to Andre Ward? And was it because of some of the things that Jim Lampley and Max have said after the Koval or after the Kovalev fight? Because you know, Jim Lampley has been very vocal, saying, "Hey, he thought that this fighter." Well, I just don't know. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm wondering why he. 
like not. I mean, it, it's weird because they had it all scheduled and everything. So, it, like, even in the sense that he knew, you know, and you know, I mean, it's one thing when people say something, but I mean, if you're a part of, because what people got to remember, with, 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 especially in this day in boxing, when you're dealing with H Showtime or HBO and this production involved, whether it's you know the Face Off here, twenty four seven, which is I think is airing next. Uh, Next Saturday, they're going to air the first episode of the 24-7 for the more Kovalev. You know, naturally, you know, it's kind of a part of the protocol. You know, know, you're promoting the fight. This is a part of the promotion of the fight, blah, 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 whatever. So nothing ever came out as to why exactly he just never showed up. That's basically how they left it. Now, look, for all we know, there could be a whole other story that Ward maybe is going to touch on – Afterwards, because the interesting part is we haven't heard really much from Ward. Much from Kovalev either, as far as like being interviewed or any. I mean, they're both geared in training, so we're not really going to hear much from them. So I'm thinking maybe the lead-up, like the week of the fight, maybe they'll kind of like, he'll, he'll shed some light on it, and maybe we'll find out something we didn't know. But, I mean, as of right now, really no clue, you know, I mean, he just didn't show up, um, I'm leaning, I'm, I don't want to say mind games, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking something might have happened, they just not trying to disclose it right now, but I don't know, we'll, I guess we'll touch on it <laughs> when the time comes, and we, we do find out, but, uh, that's pretty much it, man, uh, next week, we're going to be talking about, um, you know, the, the recap of, uh, what will occur, you know, what occurred Saturday, and then, Everything up till then, man. I mean, it's not not a lot going on in June. Um, as as it relates to like big fights, there's, there's a triple header in in uh, you know July 15th, you know, following month on HBO. But um, not not uh, much going on. I mean, that's just the biggest. That's the biggest fight that month. And the undercard is going to feature Guillermo Rigondeaux. He's making his return, and uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll touch on that. But that is the show. Uh, for, you know, those who listen the following day, you know, or, or, or want to catch the rest of, the, you know, other episodes, you can go on to soundcloud.com slash GYGB, and you can also subscribe on iTunes. So uh, you can also follow us at Guard Girl Boxing on Instagram. Follow me, Alberto underscore flat, Twitter, and Instagram, and it's pretty much the show, man. So we'll be back next week, and uh, like I said before, man, um, five, I believe five fifteen <laughs> Eastern time, uh, for Kelbrook Errol Spence for those who forgot the fights in the UK <laughs> and want to watch it live. So, till next week, man, we are out of here. Guard Girl Boxing, peace.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.